Crypto Watch is presented by theconstantinvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. G'day, Alan Kohler here with this week's Crypto Current. And this week we've got Gemma Green, who is the co-founder and chair of Power Ledger. Now, Power Ledger's a um, innovative blockchain trading system for trading power peer-to-peer. That is to say, people with solar panels on their roof can trade with each other using the blockchain and Power Ledger's system. But um, a couple of months ago, they had an initial coin offering of what they called to- Power Tokens, P-O-W-R Tokens. And they were issued in a pre-sale at 8.3 cents. And, um, and subsequently, they made a bigger sale uh, at around about $0.09, cents, I think, on average, and raised $34 million. Um, and the question is, what were those tokens? What do you get? Um, and also, how does the Power Ledger system work? How disruptive is it? And how, does the, how is blockchain used to trade power? And finally, what does Gemma Green think about Bitcoin at $9,500? We asked Gemma all those questions and more. Here's Gemma Green, the co-founder and chair of Power Ledger. Gemma, perhaps we could just start with the um, with the tokens, POWRs, the power tokens. Now, um, yes. I think you issued them at, at what eight eight cents, eight point four cents. Is that right? Uh, actually, we had a pre-sale, and those tokens were priced at 8.3 cents each. And then we had a main sale, which was not priced. It was a what's called a volume-weighted average price, VWAP, where we sold a fixed amount of tokens and the price was determined by the amount of funds pledged divided by the amount of tokens. And there were bonuses issued... Uh, the, the main sale went for four weeks, and there were bonuses in weeks one, two, three, and four. And so the price was slightly different in each of those weeks, but on average, the price in the main sale was nine point four cents. And so the tokens are now trading hands at seventy six cents, roughly. Um, does that uh, mean? I, I haven't looked today, um, but if that's what you say, yes. And so, does that mean that those who bought tokens at the beginning uh, have made eight or nine times their money now on paper? Uh, to market, yes. Um, obviously, it depends on when they sell them and what they realise. So so what is a POWR token, a power token? What, is, what do you get? What is it? Uh, a power token is two things. Firstly, it's a licence to trade peer-to-peer, and secondly, it's the bond backing that ensures that the system self-regulates. So I'll explain what that, those two things are in more detail for you. So the uh, application host, which would be a retailer, an energy retailer, who want to offer their customer uh, uh, the ability to trade peer-to-peer, uh, will do so by selling their customers sparks. So we have a twin token system, uh, sparks are a tokenized unit of electricity. So one spark is one cent or the lowest uh, denomination in a currency. Uh, 
And so 100 bucks is $1 in Australian terms. And so the they're like phone minutes for electricity, like a tokenized unit of electricity. And so the customer's never exposed to any cryptocurrency fluctuation. And uh, the application host will sell their customers sparks. And to ensure that when the customer redeems sparks back to fiat currency to dollars, uh, if the application host doesn't fund that redemption, the power token sits in a bond and will be used to redeem uh, the sparks in lieu of the application host doing the right thing. Uh, but aren't the sparks redeemed for power or uh, is the idea that they get no. redeemed for cash? No, sparks are not redeemed for power. I don't know where you got that from. No, no, I didn't get it from anywhere. It's just my purely my... Uh, thick brain trying to trying to come to grips with what you're saying. Yeah, it's, well, it, you know, it, it is. I mean, it is a um, uh, you know a new ecosystem for energy trading. So I did. You've only just heard it a minute ago. So I wouldn't call yourself thick, Alan. But uh, one spark equals one cent, and that is always pegged. So the customer uh, when they 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 put it. A, dollar on the platform, they get a hundred sparks, and when they redeem a hundred sparks, they get a dollar back. So, so how does it turn so, into... So, how, so, so, you, so, you, so you have solar panels, I don't have solar panels, I buy, I buy sparks, and I buy your electricity, and you receive sparks. Then Alan decides to off-ramp the sparks and convert them back into dollars in his bank account. Where do the dollars come from? The application host, the energy retailer that sits behind us, that allows us to trade peer-to-peer, will fund that redemption. And if they don't honour the sparks with dollars, power tokens will be used to fund the redemption. So it is like a collateral to ensure that the system self-regulates. So so why, why don't you and I trade using dollars instead of sparks? Because if you trade using dollars, you have bank accounts and there's a lot of friction. You've got to wait three days for settlement, etc. Whereas if you create a tokenized unit of electricity, you can settle the payment instantly without having to wait for three days uh, for bank payments to go through. And is that where the blockchain comes in? Exactly. So are you able to explain to me how the blockchain is used in that transaction? Certainly. So at Alan's house, he will have a smart meter and at Gemma's house, she'll have a smart meter. And as the electricity spills out from your solar panels onto the network, it goes, it registers an entry in the smart meter, which creates an entry in the blockchain. Gemma simultaneously is consuming electricity uh, of the same volume and that creates another entry on the blockchain. And those two entries uh, represent a transaction for which a spark is exchanged. Right, and and the power token is in a sense the support or the backup for the spark the token. The bond backing. The bond backing. Yes, so the bond backing to ensure the integrity and self-regulating nature of the blockchain system. And presently, the, and the white. And presently, if Alan's got solar panels, he sells it back to his retailer and every 60 days he gets a bill and receives a feed-in tariff and payment. So you don't get paid 
for that electricity until two months' time. But using the blockchain, you can be paid every day for that electricity. At the moment, it's spilled out onto the network. Is the price different uh, using your system to if I used a feed-in tariff? Well, there's not really much appeal apart from obviously being paid earlier and uh, each market, the price differential will be determined on a negotiated basis. I take it that the the electricity coming off my roof is not actually the same electricity going on to, into your into your house. Um, it's they're both we're both dealing with the grid, right? No, the laws of physics dictate that, Alan, not um, the blockchain. Right, because we're not. I mean, we're not directly yeah. connected. The point being, we're not directly connected. Uh, well, you are from... actually, because all the units of electricity are touching each other like a big long loop. Uh, but electricity or kilowatt hours are fungible. Yes. No, I get that. So um, I'm just uh, so so. Where are you at with uh, having this system? You've, you've you've actually received some money from the government. They've seemed to have invested in you. I mean, it all seems to be going ahead. How far off um, are you establishing a trading system? Well, we've already built the platform, the trading engine, and the applications that sit on top of that. Some of them, so peer-to-peer trading across networks, peer-to-peer trading within buildings, so that's if you've got like an apartment building that's um, installed an embedded network with solar and batteries and each apartment is allocated units of electricity and if they're not home to consume that allocation, they can trade it with their neighbours and it offsets their electricity bill. Uh, That system is already live in two apartment buildings in Fremantle. And the peer-to-peer trading across networks, we've been undertaking a trial in Auckland in New Zealand with Vector, who have two-thirds of the lines business in New Zealand, in Auckland, about 600,000 customers. And uh, we're also undergoing a trial with Origin Energy uh, to look at how the blockchain can integrate into their, uh, their trading environment. And we have a, another project in India with Tech Mahindra uh, to look at a number of microgrid deployments there. And we have a number of other projects in the, in the pipeline as well. So uh, there, there's a lot of different um, projects at various stages of implementation. How disruptive do you think this system is going to be? Well, uh, I don't have a crystal ball, uh, but I believe that the the blockchain just generally um, has the potential to make markets far more efficient and also create a more bona fide marketplace in the sense that, I mean, electricity markets presently are about as geared up to buy Allen's electricity as a supermarket is to buy homegrown tomatoes. And what the blockchain offers is a level of sophistication to the marketplace where small buyers and sellers can participate and the settlement process, like wholesale electricity markets, take 60 to 80 days to settle. And so the prudential requirements for them are enormous. You know, the operating capital they require 
between when they generate electricity or, and they get paid for it is significant. And so I think that the blockchain can create a more efficient marketplace and a more genuine marketplace for both smaller and larger market participants. Is that a, um, a valid analogy that you just said about tomatoes and, and the supermarket? Well, yeah. I mean, how how able is the, the marketplace to settle Alan's sale of electricity um, for selling it to his neighbour and paying him at the moment the electricity is um, generated or used? It, it's not at all, of course. Um, but how... So I, uh, but how necessary in that process? Because when we were talking before about how it works, we talked about um, Gemma and Alan, and Alan had solar panels and Gemma didn't. Does yeah. does the transaction require Gemma, or can the transaction just be Alan into the grid? Well, you said put it into the grid, but who's the buyer? Somebody has to buy that electricity for it to have value. Yeah, and no, I'm wondering if the Sorry. buyer if the buyer is the either the grid operator or one of the big power companies? Oh, well, it equally could be another market participant. So, for example, our platform could also be used if you've got a large solar farm uh, presently to connect. They need a power purchase agreement or an offtake agreement, but instead they may be able to, uh, to sell to many smaller customers. Or equally, the market operator may need uh, capacity or uh, ancillary services at a point in time and may offer a price signal to smaller market participants to provide that service. Uh, and it might be through demand response or provision of electricity from a battery. Uh, and so it doesn't have to just be peer-to-peer or consumer-to-consumer. It can also be uh, B2B, B2C, and um, also market operator involving uh, smaller customers. So were your, the, the issue of your power tokens, was, was that essential to make the system work or was it just a way of raising money, a pre-sale? Well, uh, if you have application hosts that have different levels of capability, I mean, in, in terms of investment banking, if you look at merchant risk or counterparty risk, wherever you're taking prepayment for something, and that's what is going on when you're selling sparks, there's a certain amount of risk that is involved in that. So any bank that is offering a merchant facility to a counterparty uh, will look at the credit worthiness of that and set a bond uh, off the back of it. It's a very standard market practice. We're just doing it automatically without having an intermediary uh, manage that system. Uh, and so it's just basically taking good, prudent market practices uh, around mitigating the exposure for the customer and applying it to the blockchain. Yeah, so when I saw your power token issue, your ICO, your initial coin op- um, offering, I, I thought it was uh, akin to a, um, a crowdfunding exercise where you were, in a sense, pre-selling your service. But in fact, it's much more than that, isn't it? Uh, yeah, so obviously crowd sales are, as you say, like almost like you say you're a bike manufacturer, you know, getting people to pre-purchase the bikes. Uh, uh, but in our case, we have already built a platform and some of our applications and have deployed the product 
in various instances. And uh, yeah, in our case, it, the power token is a license to trade peer-to-peer and a bond backing. And so is there any way that you can help us understand whether 75.8 cents, which is the current, you know, today's price, is a, a price worth paying? I understand it's all just about demand and supply, but how do we? How does one assess that price? Uh, I, I mean, the, the value is determined by buyers and sellers um, based on uh, on their information. I, um, I can't try to assume uh, what each and every buyer is making their decision making on from Power Ledger's perspective. Uh, we are putting out announcements about projects that will see the utilisation of the power token increase and uh, uh, I'm not at all focused on uh, anything but that. Fair enough. I mean, I'm just, is there any, is there any way of assessing the value that you get if you buy a power token? What, you know, what, what the, the value of what you receive is? Well, you can, you can build a model forecasting how much power tokens will be put in bond which, which would constrain the supply and ultimately determine the price. And for us, that is um, the bona fide market for power tokens, utilising it as a bond backing and a licence. And if you look at our white paper, it does look at a roadmap and how we plan to roll out um, the applications and the projects, which will see the utilisation of the power token go up. Right. Uh, it, it's, it seems like it's got more substance and value to it than, say, Bitcoin, which uh, hit nine thousand five hundred US dollars today. Um, well, the Bitcoin isn't a utility token, so no, that's uh, right. It's a store, a store, or a store of value, and so it's uh, and it, it used to be uh, a transfer of value, but now the network has become very clogged up, so it's being used for different purposes, but some, you know, coins or tokens, you know, they do different things. So it really depends on what the, the, the token does, what, you know, what it performs and and how how it's perform, like performing against that, I guess, it, the design intention of it, which would determine its real value. What, what do you think of Bitcoin at nine and a half thousand dollars US? Would you would you buy them at that price? Uh, I think that the the Bitcoin, uh, you know, is you know there's a civil war going on with the Bitcoin at the moment and the different philosophies around it now with Bitcoin Gold and Bitcoin Cash and uh, I think that the previously they you know the the idea that it could be used for tra- money transfers that is really being revisited now. So I mean. I, I personally wouldn't be buying Bitcoin at, at the price that it's trading at today. <laughs> Great to talk to you, Gemma. Thank you. My pleasure. Take care. And that was Gemma Green, the co-founder and chair of Power Ledger. <laughs>